Please join me in prayer. Love of all loves. Power confounding all human powers. We are your people before you today. We give you praise for your love which knows no bounds, for your mercy, your truth, your justice. Let our hearts be open to hear the word you wish to speak to us this day. Open our ears, open our lives. May we bring our whole selves before you. Listening and releasing ourselves to more deeply dwell in this boundless love. We ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. I don't know what your history with the book of Revelation has been, whether individually or as a congregation, but just in case it might do us good for me to put in a good word for it, in case. This book is a letter to the churches, largely about allegiance and worship. Those should be our takeaways. This boldly claiming our belonging to God alone and giving praise to whom it is due and only to the one to whom praise is due. John's vision is about uncovering what is really real. The title, Revelation, comes from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means to reveal, to disclose, to make something fully known. And so it's the revealing of Jesus Christ. And in this full unveiling, John from his exile is painting for us sometimes in glaringly bright colors and bright light, this reality that is beyond and behind what we see on the surface. That the truth is, God is on the throne, and the Lamb who was slain is, in fact, victorious. That death and weeping will end, and love and light and healing will be our dwelling place forever. If we're willing, Revelation pulls us into using our imaginations as tools of resistance. Our imaginations as tools of resistance to the lies of despair and blind consuming that surround us. John is harnessing the power of the imagination to affirm what is good what is true, and to jolt us into remembering where we really want to place our hope. John gives us beautiful and jarring images to shape our thinking about reality. What is actually real? 
and about the powers that be in relation to God. And John is trying to strengthen through all of that, to strengthen our allegiance to the creator above all other things. All the other things that pull at our loyalty, that claim the thoughts of our minds and our hearts, that want to claim our attention and our money. And so here in its final scenes, we have the new Jerusalem coming from God as the divine makes a home on earth. At every turn, this city is a picture of redemption, a balm for the weary. It's a place of healing and camaraderie filled with light. There is no room here for fear No room in this city for fear. And there's no need for the sun to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Now that might sound a little strange, its lamp is the Lamb. Now, please don't get too modern on me, and don't be picturing like a little white ceramic lamb that sits on your end table with a lamp stand. No, For the folks who heard this, this would be a picture of a burning flame. And not like a little pleasant contained oil lamp. But this is a flame that's big enough and bright enough to light an entire city. This is the lamb that was slain and is alive forever. The lamb who at the same time is a shepherd for his people. The wounded and the living one the vulnerable and powerful lamb who in union with God gives light to the city so that it needs no sun or moon to shine on it. There's nothing tame or sentimental about this light. For as the prophet says, he is like a refining fire and who shall stand when he appears? Nothing escapes this light. The light of the Lamb is a revealing light, which, as we see and as the passage unfolds, makes falsehood impossible. In this light, we cannot lie. Everything is revealed for what it is. And at the same time, it's a guiding light. It guides the steps of the nations. This light, beyond being a brightness which shows the truth of all things, clearly has a redemptive quality. Somehow, its power to illumine draws out goodness that was previously hidden. John says the nations walk by this light. Maybe it's that the peoples and the nations whose best gifts were previously obscured by war or oppression, now shine fully as they were created to be. I'm imagining the rulers, the presidents, the prime ministers, maybe even the dictators of the earth will humbly bring their glory into this city, their splendor. What does this mean? Their treasury? Their fine clothes? 
all of the masons who work for them, their cooks, their entire staff, into this city of the Lamb. And you notice it's not just the heads of state, but all people. People from everywhere will bring into the city the glory and the honor of the nations. Come with me and come with John, with your imagination, into this city flooded with light where the gates are always open and there is no night. Can you imagine what the glory and the honor of all the peoples coming in might look like? What would they be bringing? Their best food, their best crops, their textiles. Colorful, carefully woven cotton from India. Intricately embroidered cloth from Guatemala. Flawless silk from China. And along with it, the thousands of years of expertise in producing it. Their best farming techniques, their best land care techniques from centuries of practice. Goat and cattle herders from the Maasai Mara in East Africa bring not only their healthy herds, but also their knowledge and their skills for tending them. Olive growers from Palestine and Italy and Spain, traditional boat makers from Vietnam, the best, the best of the nations coming into this city of God, the best chemists and geologists and architects and singers and saxophone players and lawyers and sculptors and cartoonists and entrepreneurs and nurses and tortilla makers and physicians who are making use of those healing leaves of the tree of life. Everyone bringing their craft and their passion and ideas into the light of God. And it's also clear what the rulers are not bringing. The people and the rulers have left behind their weapons, for example. Their fear of each other. Their violence. This they do not bring into the holy city. What we have in um, the NRSV translated as abomination in verse 27 of chapter 21, means something that is utterly detestable, something abhorrent, the things that are not coming into the city, or the people who are attached to these detestable or abhorrent things. Now that sounds a little subjective at first glance. What I think is detestable might not be to you. But just to get some idea of what might be included, First of all, let's notice that that's where it's paired with deception or falsehood, lying. Deception or dishonesty that keeps us from relationship with God, with others, with ourselves. Secondly, where else in scripture have we heard um, something that is detestable? Well, Heartless religion, for one, 
In Amos 5, as you recall, the prophet says to the people on behalf of Yahweh, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. So worship that does not result in fair and honest business practices, worship that does not result in the just treatment of vulnerable people and sufficient material provision for those who are poor in our towns, this worship is abhorrent. The psalmists also speak in strong terms like this about worshiping something or someone other than God, so idolatry is called abhorrent, and also the shedding of innocent blood, foolishly opposing God directly or, as the psalmists also say, in arrogance, thinking that getting away with hurting the weak indicates that there is no God. God clearly hasn't responded. All of these things get that strong condemnation in Scripture. And in Proverbs 8, which seems to be an interesting parallel here, we have a picture of wisdom who is embodied in this passage of Proverbs as a woman standing at the crossroads right in the middle of a busy intersection calling out to people, Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. And so here again, the hated thing is named in contrast to the goodness of telling the truth. Maybe that's John's greatest gift to us in this vision, telling the truth and inviting us to do the same. The light of God in this picture is showing all the people of the world how to walk in truth and worship of the only one who is worth giving all of our loyalty. When we come into the light, and you've noticed this in your own life, when we come into the light, we notice and we see our our frail places. And at the same time, once we have nothing to hide, once we are fully in the light, we're then free from the need to protect and defend our false image of ourselves. And we're free to be in honest relationship. Think about your relationships of deepest trust. If you have had that space of intimacy and safety, have you not experienced a kind of light from the other person which encourages self-revelation, encourages you to show yourself fully. Have you noticed when a really trusted friend asks you how you're doing, and if you're not actually doing particularly well, sometimes just the tenderness of the question, the sincere question, brings tears Have you noticed the safety you have with this person and the love that they have for you reveals something about yourself? Maybe actually reveals something in you that you're able to hide from other people, but somehow something in you is responding to that safety and you know 
that you can be fully yourself in the light of that love. And similarly, have you experienced when a teacher or a mentor or a friend that you really admire asks you just the right question? Maybe it's the question you've been avoiding. Maybe you didn't even know that you needed to ask it. But it allows you to open to the truth of your life or your circumstances in some new way. Likewise, the Lord God and the Lamb in this larger-than-life scene, by filling the city with divine light, are drawing people into worship and to living in the truth. And it's not just the faithful, but the nations are finding a path to walk, guided by this light. Worshiping God is indeed telling the truth, that there is only one who is seated on the throne, who is wise enough and good enough, loving and just enough to reign. And it is to that one that and that one only that honor and power and blessing belong. And this allegiance to God alone has the practical result of reconciliation. When we've been opened in this way, when we have nothing left to hide and we are loyal to God alone, when I have let the light of God win me over, so to speak, who or what is there left to fight? With the divine fire continually burning away all that is untrue in us, we in turn continue to speak the truth about evil, but knowing we are not the ones that are overcoming it, and at the same time confident in God that it has been and will be overturned and overcome and exposed as falsehood. And this falsehood cannot persist in the light of the Lamb. We might wonder how we might go on standing firm in, in this confidence. In some of our workplaces, it might feel lonely to be so committed to truth, truth-telling and vulnerable love. Truth-telling and vulnerable love can be a hard sell. And so we absolutely need the advocate, this counselor, this one, this spirit of Christ who has come to encourage us and to continue to remind us of all that Jesus has taught us. Earlier in the passage of John 14, which we heard read, Jesus assures his friends, I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. Jesus does not leave us to find our way into the light by ourselves but speaks the truth to us in our very hearts by the Spirit and also gives us each other, siblings in Christ who have the Spirit dwelling within and are able to remind each other of these things. I had an example of this yesterday 
during the Race Against Racism, Dewey and I were walking together, and just as we were about to turn the corner at the last leg of the race, I mean, it was just a stroll really for us, but (laughs) we're about to turn onto East Chestnut, and we're heading toward Musser Park to finish, and Dewey got a call. And this is a friend of his um, who calls him, I don't know, now and then, somebody who has a lot of anger and has a lot to defend in his life. And because of his responses of anger um, and even violence, has landed himself in prison multiple times. And what I heard overheard as Dewey and I continued walking beside each other is Dewey, was Dewey reminding his friend reminding him whether or not Dewey ever says it this way reminding him what Jesus has taught us that in turning toward Jesus we have a creative way to handle our very understandable anger In trying to calm his friend down, he's reminding him of a way of love and courage that transforms our own violent urges and allows us to be healed instead of giving back the harm that we have taken in. This friend calls Dewey knowing he will remind him that a better choice is possible. And maybe he even counts on that. Just to be told by someone that healing is possible. And all of us are only able to remember this and keep living this by the life-affirming power of the Holy Spirit. Who in the face of all of the heartbreak and violence we see continues to open our imaginations to the reality of God who brings us back to the banks of the river of life clear as crystal running clean and fresh right through the middle of the street of the city watering the tree of life with its ever-present fruit giving nourishment and its leaves to heal the nations that is what is true. That is who we and all the peoples of the earth are created to be. The more a community, the more we learn to be truthful, to come into the light and release our protective pretenses, the better home we can be for other seekers of truth other people who are longing for the freedom that comes with this truth. There are so many who are looking for a place where pretense falls away, and we learn to love and receive as the people we are, warts and all, and to be with others as they are, and so to have the freedom to grow together in this light with honesty, without judgment, into the people God has created. Let us be open to this transformation.
Because the Father has sent the Advocate, and we do see Jesus, the Lamb, the burning flame, a fire of love revealing our need and opening us to the truth. Let us walk in that light, beloved of God. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. Amen.